got your two favorite film lords on the line jen andre welcome cuckoo good morning everyone <laughs> good morning how's everyone going look we how are... is everyone going to be honest uh, text in how are you going so quickly oh four oh nine nine four five nine four five. if you are like me you're just a bit in the gr- not grumpy side but you're just over it you know with this whole lockdown business hmm I feel like it just got exciting for the first time in like a mm. whole year. And I will say there's been some serious suspense in the press conferences at 11am every day. Like honestly, the drama there is uh, going like worthy. And, and so like a movie! We should review the press We're conference. We're talking. Let's not, let's not review the press no, conference. No, let's not. The, the press conference is just like people's fucking like gains posts. It's like the same background every single day, slightly different hairstyles. I am so excited about the movie that we're reviewing today, Zola. It's like the only movie mm. that's been hyped for like 18 months mm-hmm. um, by Janixa Bravo, Jeremy O'Harris, based on the, the famous tweets. But really, I feel like this weekend we saw the tagline of the movie like play itself out across Sydney, where the tagline is like, you want to see how me and this bitch fell out? It's a long story, but it's full of suspense. <laughs> and I feel and like that was Saturday. That was everyone's Saturday. let me just Saturday. say, if you don't know about what we're talking about, just hop on gay Twitter and do your research. It's a 30-minute deep dive into, like, the resources <laughs> of the internet. Read your books, do your planning, get your palm cards, because we're talking about Zola today, and you guys need to catch up. All right, and on that, it's time for some movie news. Movie news. That's gossip. Take it away. Sensitive Butch essay filmmaker Jenny Olsen, who is a movie favourite, has been honoured with a special Teddy Award at this year's Berlinale, which I know was like two months ago, but we've been barely doing this show, honestly, because it's been stressful and we can only handle so much. Our plates are small. Um, the award goes out to the film world's most popular LGBTQIA pluses like Tilda Swinton. And... Jenny Olsen's been making slow, gay, like, factual fantasia, narration over the top work for years, but she spoke about how she'd never been able to make a living out of it, even though she's got this award. She spent all her spare time making, like, these movies that that do the rounds, do the festivals, and she's also been, like, a huge proponent in archiving queer work and making sure that it's screened at film festivals. Um, but yeah, it's always been a side hustle for her, hold so up, I hold, think that's hold iconic. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Who, what, does, what is Jenny Olsen's work? Who is this name? You just thrown Jenny in the mix. Describe. I've just thrown Jenny in the mix. I think to the best description of her more recent work is the Royal Road, which is just still Abbas Kurosami five shots of San Francisco, with just storytelling over the top about yes, queer romance. Yes, 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 yes. She makes and, these kind of like ethnographic films that are like very slow, yes. and they're portraits, and it's it's America. She's a romantic butch who loves mm. shooting on film. And she, mm. I think like what was most inspiring is that she's like never been able to make a, a living out of it, but has always fought to make the film she wanted to make. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's iconic. Um, but meanwhile, like Khan. No, no, wait, Andre, okay, I don't want to, no, I don't want to talk about Khan. Screw Khan, to be honest. Well, Willem Dafoe got like a star on the Walk of Fame. Finally, like hot Willem Dafoe. I still don't care about Willem Dafoe. Honestly, he just lives in my sex dreams. Is there anything else that we can talk about? I, 
I want something that's Lynn like Lynn Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey. Sorry, what were you okay. want? Lynn Ramsey is closer to what I'm edging towards, but she's got three I... films in production right now. Okay, I don't care about that. Is there anything else? Okay, what about okay, uh... Kate Shortland, Black Widow. Oh my god, everyone's talking about Michaela. Cole. Okay, can I just say hot take, please? Michaela Cole. Ha- yeah. Michaela Cole. Everyone's talking about Michaela Cole being cast in the MCU. That's not that impressive. I'm sorry. People get cast in the MCU all the freaking time. The MCU is known. I know. Like, if you're dating. not in the MCU, <laughs> if you're not in the MCU, you're not... then you're nothing. To be honest. If you're not in the MCU, it's like being a British actor who didn't make it to Harry Potter. Um, yeah, actually, John Peel's got a new movie called Nope. Yeah, Nope is where my mind is. I'm into Nope. I'm down for it. I love the poster. I famously preferred Us to Get Out. It says a lot about me. I know, I know. And Nope is is giving enough allure and suspense for me to want to engage this far forward in the marketing process. And also, I actually have never seen Kiki Palmer act outside of Hold Up. What? Kiki Palmer, was she, was she in Hustlers? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I She's in that Jump Rope movie from Disney. That's my... Hold on. I will not be... <laughs> the I Jump Rope movie. I will not be humiliated on FBI by saying that Kiki Palmer was in Hustlers. Did that happen? If it did not happen, I rescind... She was in Hustlers. She was in Hustlers. We're good. <laughs> Salvage that. Um, Speaking of, like, starting in Disney film, Taylor Page from Zola started in High School Musical 3 as a backup dancer. Ooh. That's, see, just, that's just something I learned today. Uh, this is why casting news is never that exciting, because, honestly, everyone gets cast eventually somewhere. Can we now just cast an eye to Melbourne Film Festival? Because it's happening online. Yes. So it's uh, officially the Australian Film Festival, open to everyone, and it's coinciding with the Sydney Film Festival this year, which... We can't guarantee it's going to happen in person. Originally, the plan was to have Sydney Film Festival in person and also online. And now with lockdown, we're not just sure how that's going to play out. So it's just going to be two virtual festivals going head to head. Jen, what do you think? Well, we don't know anything about Sydney Film Festival. Famously, we're supposed to interview Nishan, but the media release, which was supposed to happen on Wednesday, has been pushed indefinitely. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but Melbourne has gone right ahead and has a lot of the same films that Sydney already announced, like Zola, like Night Tram, the mm. Martin Bryant film. Night Tram is just Martin spelt backwards. Um, and so Melbourne's already up and running and you can buy tickets already and access them anywhere in Australia. So we're already planning mm. our little house film festival. Um, text us in if you've got like any hot hot tips. It's hard to scroll a program and read it. For those who don't know, the Melbourne Film Festival has always prided itself on being an alternative and a kind of more... Um, expansive and experimental festival curation compared to the Sydney Film Festival, which is kind of the Hollywood crop that comes from all the major festivals. So, for example... Okay, hot take. It's not a hot take. It's well known that Melbourne Film Festival takes risks. That's what I'm getting at. Sydney Film Festival is known for... It's not a maybe, Jenny. Check the list, check the receipts. It's it's always been that way. Our friends and mum are not fans of Melbourne Film Festival. Uh -uh, uh -uh. It doesn't take risks on resourceful queer cinema. SFF is all about the industry. It's all about bringing Cape Blanchett and like freaking Viggo Mortensen down to walk the red carpet and playing like Uh Red Dog. Melbourne, on the other hand, is about bringing a picture pong. It's about bringing climax. It's about bringing Europe to Australia. It's about bringing independent filmmakers from Australia up and celebrating them with experimental work as opposed to just crowd pleasing fan flops. That's my take. Maybe. How about how about this for some movie news? Uh, Juliette (sighs) Lewis has revealed she's an Amelin Sniffers fan. She's an Amelin Sniffers. 
Oh, as in the the band. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was because I because it's like punk to like Amel in the states now because the FDA outlawed it. So I thought we we're literally talking about poppers right no, now. No, no, Amel and the Sniffers, except she calls them Emil. Yes. <laughs> guys, Emil. Guys, I'm so sorry. Can we can we come together and just admit? None of us have seen more than one Juliet Lewis film. That is true. It is fact. <laughs> no one can name two films that they have seen with Juliet Lewis in it. No one has. No one has done that. No one has accomplished that. And on that, <laughs> here's some Amel and the Sniffers. This one needs a language warning. It's guided by angels. Take two. You're on Movies, 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 here on Mornings with me, Maya Billick. I am joined by Jen and Andre, your favourite film lords. They're my favourite film lords. And it is time for their usual take two section where they review a film and they've been doing the tease on what film they're reviewing this week. Jen, Andre, shall we have a little spiel before we play the trailer? Before, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at radio, but we didn't... Jen, should I just mention Samara waving for a hot sec, or should we just wait till Spotlight? <laughs> no, nah, I'll mention it. Yeah, but, like, mention it. Oh, mention it. Okay, I'm so sorry, guys. Down the track, we're going to have an interview with Samara waving, star of Nine Perfect Strength. Are you guys hearing that from my house? Sorry, it just sounds like some construction next door. Um, we have a Samara waving interview coming up in Spotlight with... Uh, uh, a star of a movie called Snake Eyes, the G.I. G.I. Joe reboot, already out, babysitter star, Samara Weaving. Um, Jenny, now on to the take two, which is of the film Zola. Do you want to do the intro or shall I? I don't mind, Andre. <laughs> Sounds like so you're going to do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not over it. Zola is Zola. Kind of... You go, oh. you go. Do the honours. <laughs> There's so much baggage going into Zola for everyone because it's been hyped for probably the longest time a movie has been hyped for in cinema history, I would say. Like, it was supposed to come out. It was, like, premiered at Sundance 2020. And if you watch any of the interviews, any of the panels, Riley Keogh, Riley Co? Riley Keogh? I don't know. Elvis, Gra- <laughs> oh Elvis, Presley's, Elvis Presley's granddaughter, who plays a culturally appropriating stripper in this movie, um, has what she calls pneumonia and I'm like whoa did she give everyone COVID um it's been hyped since January 2020 it's based on a bunch of tweets about a sex worker who goes to Florida and gets into into like deep into the source and I think we should just play the trailer I think we should just play the trailer you want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out it's kind of long but it's full of suspense from here on out watch every move this bitch make do not trip. I got you, girls. A real nice spot. This is messy. You are messy. Your brain is broke. Do it look like I came for this? I got this money you made. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I don't fuck with you. No more. I didn't do nothing wrong. Jennifer, we finally saw what? Zola. Can you believe this? We finally saw it. I know. I know. It is a community event of a film, which is it a shame is. that we're in lockdown. But it really is a community event. It feels like community cinema. It feels like it feels like something that's going to be on queer watch parties for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. So, you like know? you were saying before, Zola is an A twenty four. I mean, 
now announcing a 24 film uh, adaptation of a Twitter thread. Thinking about this, I mean, do we all know the Twitter story? I mean, it was, you know, um, a bantering recount of A Crazy Night in Florida, and it's now been turned into a film by Janice Bravo, co-written with Jeremy O'Harris, who is well-known for, you know, being a social media star and providing slave play. So it's kind of like a silly, serious road trip Twitter adaptation about two sex workers getting in deep in Florida. And it kind of made me think while I was watching this, why don't we have more adaptations of social media content? Am I wrong in saying that that's not a frequent genre that we're seeing, Jenny? Like, I feel like the last I know, time I've seen, I thought... the last no, time I've seen ahead. something about social media was a social network some 10 mm-hmm. years, 10 or 11 years ago. And that was such a huge film. It's such a, like, staggering cinematic achievement, as people call it. Yet it didn't really encourage people to look to socials to then make content. Or maybe I just haven't looked hard enough. I just think Twitter is such a good place to start when making a movie because famously the best movies are made from poems and short, short stories. Mm-hmm. And Twitter, like eviscerates I feel like the stagnancy of everyone just making Tim Winton novels into a movie and like I was thinking a lot because we were originally going to talk about Abbas Kurosami for this episode because the famous Iranian Persian filmmaker who died in 2016 is having a retrospective at the mysteriously unknown fate of the Sydney Film Festival and his films are all based on poems and just kind of like linger and I feel like Mm. Jeremy O'Harris and Janixa Bravo were able to look at the tweets and then just make them mystical and fill in the blanks with you know long phantom shots on the road at night in Florida, you know, shots of people at the side of a hotel, a prayer in the back of like a strip club, you know, looking at the color of the two girls pee, like all of these visual things were able to be drawn out of like these kind of uh, haiku tweets, you know, that like feel just like instantly cinematic because when you're reading Twitter, you're instantly projecting all of your own shit onto everyone's Mm -hmm, tweets. Like mm -hmm, it's so mm -hmm. devoid of visuals that it's Mm -hmm. like cinematic automatically. I think we need to bring to air the fact that uh, Joie McMillan, that's not how you pronounce her name, it is Joy, but I like to say... It's Joy. Sentence. You like to say it's Joie. Joy. She was the editor of this film, and oh. you can tell that she works so closely with uh, Janixa. Um, she is well, best, best known, well-known for Moonlight and for having like an extensive resume in reality TV. But a lot of people don't know this, and by a lot of people, I'm listening to me, she cut that episode of Girls in season five, episode 10, where Hannah delivers what I think in the realm of the show is a famous speech at the mosque. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. And it's a whole episode about um, deceitful friendships and um, disingenuous connections and sisterhood that's botched or transactional. And seeing friends who are together, but something's not quite right. And there being subtext to problems within the relationship. And I think that plays out really beautifully in Zola, which is the dynamic between two women who become friends very quickly and then go on this like rambunctious spring breakers night together to try and make some cash. Um, and I feel like there's greatness in that. And mm. it's really brought out in this exciting way because we've obviously seen so many stories about, you know, botched friendships and, you know, like the push and pull mm. love between, you know, complicated women. But this is so addictive and delivered in such an interesting way that um, it almost borders on like Lynch, but with a bit of Bodak Yellow. 
That's a line oh that she has. That That's a line she uses. It's blue velvet. It's Bodak yellow. She's like, yeah. oh my god, it's so cringe when people do that. But I also love that they admit that they spent like eight months editing this, and you can feel like they were saying that they already felt like they were in lockdown before lockdown, just editing this movie. And it feels like a movie that's been like really loved and messed with and like cut and like solidified mm-hmm. and tightened and shortened and worked with and then mm. come out in this way. Also, we have to mention that Mika Levy did the score to this film. And I know. Way, way to make a Mika Levy score seem completely in the background of a film. I, obviously, the strings and the sounds are exceptional, but it's not as forefronted as some of their other work, like Under the Skin. Like, I, did, I definitely didn't notice Mika Levy's, like, mark on this. What do you think? No, it's, like, the whole film just, like, meshes together so well. It's such, like, a melting pot. It's such, like, a positive collaboration. Mm. Um, I'm scared of overhyping this film because I feel like it's going to get box blocked and everyone's mm. going to watch it, like, and then be obsessed with it for, like, three years and it's going to be so boring to hear everyone still talk about it. So I feel like Donnie Darko this, if you are feeling overhyped, save it for five years. It'll still be good. You might watch it and then hate it for like six years and then love it again. But, you know, it, it works. This movie works. This is a good movie. We love it. We stand. I'm excited. <laughs> are you guys hearing well, the construction in my house? <laughs> Andre, you're, no, not, not, you're not meant to mention the sound. <laughs> Refer to it? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. Anyway, that's enough about Zola. We're going to let everyone else decide. It will be screening at the Sydney Film Festival whenever it happens. Pray tell it'll be in like less than a month, but who knows? Who knows? Also pretty sure it's on myth. So if you do want to skip our own beautiful cities at film festival, you can just like pretend you're in Melbourne right now, which it feels like anyway. <laughs> and on that, that. Uh, we will be right back on Movies, Movies, Movies after this next track. You'll be able to hear Jen and Andre chatting to Samara Weaving, who... You may remember. Not even Jen, just me. Oh. She does the work. She does the work solo. <laughs> well, who you no, may remember, once upon a time from Home and Away, who has since uh, made a name for herself in LA. Mm, I didn't. I didn't even know that Samara had a Home and Away backstory. But oh. I. I guess I'm glad that you brought that to the party. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back here on mornings uh, on movies, movies, movies. This one right here by Caleb. It's nothing new. Spotlight. Now we've got an exciting spotlight today. Andre, who are you chatting to? <laughs> I'm chatting to, or I chatted to, Samara Weaving. We actually caught up last lockdown and I knew that she had some projects coming up, but because we were in such deep lockdown, I didn't know when they were going to happen, when to edit interview. I wanted to try and coincide it. And then I only found out this week that there's a film called Snake Eyes, I believe, which is a G.I. Joe. OMG, this construction is happening next door. Excuse me, I'm trying to do a film shot. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. She's in a, a brand new blockbuster that has hit cinemas last week. Don't know what that even means during this lockdown. But in lieu of that, I bring you my... Why do you keep talking about Snake Eyes G.O. Joe? Start talking about Nine Perfect Strangers. Yes, yes, okay, okay. I bring you my Samara Weaving interview. Samara Weaving being the actor who was Canberra raised but is now LA-based, known for the Ryan Murphy Netflix play Hollywood, the McG film The Babysitter on Netflix, you know, the Home Record Horror film, 
And also, as Jenna said, the upcoming Nine Perfect Strangers starring Nick Kitty and Melissa McCarthy. And I believe is also, Jen, help me out here. I'm blanking. Nine Perfect Strangers adaptation by, it's not, In, it's, it's, what's her name? What's her name? Oh my gosh. Moriarty. Do you want me to help or do you want to guess it? Is it yeah. Leah Moriarty? Okay, anyway. So, anyway, turns yeah. out that um, Sam's an absolute chiller and we just caught up about living in Canberra and whether it informs her craft, um, the aesthetic of Mulholland Drive meets Friends and the fact that she's kind of cast, I wouldn't say typecast because I don't want to use that term, but she's been in a lot of like hyper-Americanized movies. Like she, her canon is like, American Culture 101, um, which I think is ironic. Except when she literally plays an Australian in SNILF. Exactly. But we're not exactly allowed to talk about that. SNILF. Anyway, Sam is well known for playing LA American girls, and I'm really excited to bring you a little conversation that we had over Zoom a couple of months ago. All right. And on that, here is a piece of that chat right here for you on Movies, Movies, Movies. Hey, it's Samara Weaving. Wait, no, I have to put the FBI in. Hello, FBI, this is Samara Weaving. And we are going to be talking all about me today. <laughs> Samara, I have to start by asking, Canberra, we both grew up there. It's a small town. We both had aspirations. Can you talk to me about that? I don't know, you know, I was thinking about this. I think it does have very sneaky little pockets of, you know, the the industry that I think my dad was involved with like the Dendi film festivals that brought in really cool films that from like um, festivals overseas that you wouldn't normally see. I've always felt like Canberra has like a Donnie Darker kind of vibe in that it's kind of gloomy, kind of secretive. And when shit goes down, it's cinematic. Totally. There is that Donnie Dark. Yeah. Like uh, everyone was like a little bit emo. Like we didn't have beaches, grungy. And I remember watching like Mulholland Drive and being like obsessed with that. And then like binge watching Friends since I could. Um, We're all about Mulholland Drive, but make it a bit Friends. Exactly. <laughs> Can you describe what it's like to be on set? Like what's going through your mind when you're working? Well, during the scene, I mean, I hope I'm just like in the moment, but all the other times it's either just like insane amount of joy and just like, I can't believe I'm here, but like followed very closely by crippling anxiety of like, they're going to figure out that I'm not right and they should send me home. Like just imposter syndrome times a million. Um, I think the decisions I make are just based on trying not to get pigeonholed into one role. like. Um, I did a bunch of sort of comedy horrors in a row and then I wanted to shake it up. So I did things like uh, Picnic Hanging Rock and then Bill and Ted and um, Hollywood to try and, <laughs> you know, um, explore other genres and other um, kinds of characters, you know. Can you tell me the last time you had an epiphany or even a micro epiphany about acting? I don't know about particularly epiphanies in acting. You know, I never went to um, any formal drama school. So I feel like I don't have that bag of tools that a lot of other actors I see have where they're like, oh, I can't quite get to this 
feeling today. That's okay. I'll just go into my bag of tools that help me. I kind of have to have little, like you said, I like that micro epiphanies, not so much about the craft, but about the character I'm doing. So I'll daydream a lot about a character I'm playing. Um, you know, it's like the first thing I kind of think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about before I go to bed. Um, I like doing like animal work, like basing it on an animal. I think that sometimes... Oh my God, what's that? What is animal work? It's so weird. Um, it's basically like, you know, uh, I think uh, like Jim Carrey did it for uh, Ace Ventura. He was a bird. Hannibal Lecter, who played him? Um, Anthony Hopkins was the doll, you know, very still. And then started a movie. What was it for Hollywood? Um ryan described her as a spider so i was like okay cool like and i was like researching spiders and watching videos <laughs> a lot of like red and black and like polka dotties and um so that can that's that can sometimes give me little micro epiphanies i just love daydreaming about it honestly just comes from like when i was a kid and me and my sister would be playing make-believe which is just what i'm doing now but getting paid for it um and you know like yeah just going off with your imagination I think now um you know if I'm walking to the shops or you know doing something very mundane I'll just think about a scene and kind of go through it in my head and um because there's a million different ways you can play every scene so try and explore as many as I can and see which bits fit where and daydream about it and it's fun Well done, Jan and Andre, on that brilliant and I honestly think illuminating chat uh, with Samara Weaving. It was very nicely done. Oh my god, illuminating. I feel like illuminating <laughs> is exactly the word you want to have used to describe your acting craft. <laughs> no, but the reference to. Do you know, do you know what I just was illuminated to as well? Yeah. Yep. Oh, sorry, are you talking about animals still in illumination? Or can I just quickly chime in with just something that I wanted to add to Spotlight? Oh, good, you go, Not Jen. to, like, pivot you the conversation. Go, I just, uh, obviously there's things that stay at home and we obviously have to worry about LGAs and a lot of people can't have access to this, but I just wanted to quickly mention that Film Club Sydney is doing giveaway bags, gift bags full of random DVDs mm. that they're delivering. So if you go onto the Film Club Instagram, they're famously a little art house DVD boutique. And I think it would be a miss of us not to mention that they're doing mm -hmm. these little giveaways mm -hmm. for people not wondering what to do this week. Not wondering, wondering what to do this week. Cute. Well, Jen, Andre, thank you so much for popping by this week. It's a pleasure as always. And if you want to get your movie fix on the reg, maybe you want to revisit this joyous adventure we all had together. You can catch movies, 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 wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can listen back in full at fbiradio.com slash programs. Jen and Andre will be back in about a fortnight's time. If there's anything you'd like them to review or a question, the text line is always open 0409 945 945. Jen, Andre, ciao. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.